Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What They Aren't Telling You with me, Melissa Floyd. I am your host, hostess. This is not going to be a typical episode talking about what's going on with informed consent or medical freedom or COVID or current events um, because I am here to talk about what a lot of people have been asking about, which is um, a current health situation that I'm going through. And I wanted to be able to lay this out in a way that made a lot more sense. It's really hard to write back to all these comments and give the whole picture because it's kind of a complicated uh, situation. But there's a lot here that I think anybody needs to pay attention to. And I'm going to give you some takeaways as well as discuss what have been the biggest challenges with this. And I give you all of this information in an effort to prepare you and help you uh, navigate something if you have to go through something similar or your loved one goes through something similar. Because I 100% felt like I was flying blind through this whole thing. And that, as you can imagine, if you've known me or my style, of investigative work or analysis that I love to do. Um, I do not like flying blind. I don't like when things are uncertain and I don't like when I can't solve them. So this has been quite a shakeup for me, but I figured I'd give you the information the best I could. Now I'm going to break this down into two different episodes because with something like this, there are a lot of the physical characteristics to pay attention to. Again, with the takeaways and the challenges that I'm going to tell you. Again, this is for anyone who is listening will find something in this that will benefit them as far as paying attention to their own health, things to look out for, things to maybe investigate now before there's an issue. Because this has required me to go down many paths trying to figure out what this is. And in the process, I've learned, you know, a ton. And I'll, and I'll continue to maybe do some episodes about some of the things I'm learning just as a a type of informative podcast, which of course is what I do. But this one, I just want to give you an idea of what's going on with me and why this has been a big break from my podcast longer than usual. Not like just the typical, you know, like I said, life got busy, but um, I've been sidelined. I've basically been completely sidelined. So I am about 11 weeks into an acute ongoing chronic episode of what so far has been determined as some type of vestibular dysfunction. Okay, so I'm going to get into that and explain a little bit about each of these things because I knew nothing about any of this, even as a personal trainer, even with this knowledge in the holistic uh, field with a lot of practitioners around me, knowing and understanding the body, being a former nutritionist, I knew a lot about a lot, but I knew nothing about this. And it would have been helpful, I think, had I known a little bit more about this uh, going into it. But let me give you a brief history of sort of what led up to this. Now, of course, this is a story I've given about, you know, I feel 30 or 40 times to different practitioners because I've spoken to so many different people that are all specialists in different fields and they all want to know what your symptoms are, right? So the challenge with this is there's a lot of mysterious symptoms, a lot of symptoms that overlap with other things, and a lot of things that don't necessarily make sense to somebody else because they manifest differently for everybody. Uh, And of course, how you explain them might be different as well. So let's look at the history, the brief history of it. January 2021, I got some sort of blister or bite or something 
um, when I was doing a speaking event in another state. I wasn't out in the wild or anything like that. Literally, it was just in the hotel room and in the place we did the event. But I noticed on the way home, on the flight, I kind of felt feverish and had chills. I'm thinking, what's going on? A couple days later, I saw a line going up my leg. So I have nurse friends. I have people, you know, like I said, practitioners surrounding me who told me with no uncertain terms, you need to probably take some antibiotics. This is not something that you would wait on. This is not something to mess around with. So I debated that because I hadn't taken antibiotics in about 10 years and I don't want to take them if I don't have to, but ultimately made the decision to do it. The antibiotic was cephalexin. It was not in the Floxy family. However, antibiotics for many different people can cause issues, right? But anyway, I took it. The line started to go away immediately. That was fine. Two days into me taking that antibiotic, I was working at my desk in the same garage I'm in right now recording this, and I was talking to a client and had a wave sensation go down my neck and back that I thought I was having a stroke or a heart attack. It was very scary. I thought I was going to lose consciousness. Um, It was terrifying. I got off the phone with my client and I'm like, oh my God, do I call 911? What do I do? I sat down. It resolved itself in, you know, five, 10 minutes. And it just, I marked that off as a a neurological side effect to the antibiotics that I was having a reaction. My body's sensitive. I'm not used to taking prescription medication. Fast forward to almost a year later, I was on a different antibiotic for something else. Again, I hate taking them, but I, it was, I, I figured it was no big deal. I tolerated, I thought I had maybe tolerated the other one okay. And that was a one-time thing. So I was on it kind of a preventative uh, doxycycline as a preventative. A couple days into that, I was picking something up in the garage and had that same sensation happen. So now we're talking about December 2021. So almost a full year later, but the same exact sensation. This is a sensation I had never had before. Okay. Felt like a wave going down my neck and back. Uh, it's a very scary, it's almost like you, like your a blood vessels being completely cut off and all of a sudden you've got no, fl- I mean, it's, it's very hard to explain and nobody quite knows what I'm talking about with that. But that was then. Fast forward again, March of this year. March of this year, I was getting hit with some different viral stuff and was on some antivirals. Again, not what I'm used to, but it happened a third time. Now, this time it happened when I was about to lay down which just I even hate talking about because that's essentially what became the constant once this acute phase started. But uh, again, it was just a couple minutes, sort of resolved itself. Then all of a sudden it's May 3rd and I wake up with vertigo, four in the morning. The room is like fully spinning. And I sort of crawl, you know, onto the floor. I'm trying to bring my YouTube up to see is this I'd heard about vertigo. I'm like, oh, is this vertigo? Maybe I should do some of these maneuvers. It was really scary. I had never had a sensation like that either. Um, Instantly kind of make an appointment with my Cairo in the morning and do a cervical like adjustment, regular adjustment, but including cervical stuff and felt somewhat okay thinking, oh, maybe I just have this forward posture. This has to do with my neck. My neck is maybe causing this. So he adjusted me a couple times in a row, successive days. And by the fifth day, um, 
that night I was in the ER. That was the first time I've ever gotten to the ER in my life. The reason I went was because the sensations I was having, that wave down the back, started right when I laid down to go to bed, and it just, it was one after the other. And as you can imagine, because um, there's a reality to this fact too, when you have uncertain sensations like that, they're scary. Now, if you have anxiety, which is something I've dealt with in the past, if, even if you don't have anxiety, it triggers anxiety. It triggers panic. All of a sudden, you can't breathe as well. Your chest is tight. You're having heart palpitations. In fact, I think I even posted about um, anxiety attacks earlier in that same week because I noticed I just felt off and I, I was feeling tightness and pressure in my chest. And um, I just knew something was off and I, I just didn't know exactly what role I was playing in it, but at this point I was like, you know, something's, this is seriously an issue and I need to go to the ER. So go to the ER, had to wait forever, but finally get seen. They do the EKG, it's fine. They do the MRI, they do four of the MRIs, which, oh my God, a hundred minutes worth of MRIs. Now for somebody who, and I think most people are like this, they, who for people who don't like to be trapped I've never had an MRI before. This was such a mental test and willpower for me. I had to meditate like the entire way through because not only are you in this confined space, they've got little things squishing your neck even more so that you're completely stable. Then they've got that glass cover that comes down right over your face. So like you literally, I mean, ugh, it was just it was so awful. And originally the male nurse had told me it's gonna be 25 minutes. What he didn't tell me was there were four different tests that were going to take 25 minutes. And um, I honestly did not think I was gonna be able to do it when I was there. I was like, I can't, this is making me feel, I mean, you know, you've already got the anxiety and the panic. Now you're trapped. You're trapped into something with an unknown outcome of these tests. You're, you're scared about what's going on with your body. You already feel off. I was getting episodes of those waves happening every time I lay down. So now I'm laying down flat for a hundred minutes straight. It's like, oh my God, it was such a nightmare. And no joke, when I was done, so I did end up getting through it. When I was done, I literally cried. Like the second she took that thing off of me, I could not believe I got through it. That's how bad it felt for me. But, and of course can't have anybody in there with you unless they were vaccinated. So I was kind of in there by myself and it was just a lot. Um, But come out of that, they go, all the MRIs are fine. Your blood work is fine. Now they don't do the MS specific MRI, but he's like, with these level of symptoms that you have, if you had symptoms presenting that strongly, you would have something showing up on one of these four MRIs that are related to MS. So everything was kind of written off. Now, granted, nowhere in here, Did the ER doc even mention, not even mention something about vestibular anything? Not even once. Like, you know, there might be this. You might want to see, like, not even throwing it out there. He's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. You need to set up an appointment with a neurologist. So I left the ER, of course, grateful that the tests were fine, but not really understanding what was going on with me. And then from that point on for several weeks, it became you know, like a, I feel like a pin the tail on the donkey trying to figure out what was going on and trying to get over episodes that were happening totally randomly. Almost always when I lied down, they were terrifying. It was very scary. 
Um, I started having visual symptoms then where I'd be looking around and just the, the images I was getting, it was like my either both of my eyes weren't matching up or that the images being sent to my brain were not being sent fast enough for it to register the way I'm, so everything felt like a little behind. Also very scary, because I've never had that happen. You know, some depth perception issues, um, lots of headache, and not, not severe headache, but like a low level chronic headache. A lot of pressure in the head, pressure in the eyes, um, the vertigo didn't come back, but it was like disorientation instead. So it's almost like you're looking through a fish lens uh, kind of vibe, like where things just don't look right and you don't feel right. And the the most or not the most scary, but one of the most scary things that started to pop up around this time was like depression. And I don't mean depression like I'm sitting there in my room all day going, this is my worst thing ever that's happening to me. And all of a sudden you feel sad. It's like, yeah, I can I would expect that. Right. We're talking like you're just sitting there and all of a sudden this like black cloud comes over you, this mood comes over you and you're looking around your house, your kids, your life going like, I don't even feel like I'm in this. Like this is, I feel completely disconnected from what I'm experiencing right now. And not like in a trippy way, like in a scary kind of like, I'm so unhappy with, you know, it just, and I've never been like that. So you know, I've talked about how I've, ha I think I've talked about how I have um, dealt with anxiety since I was a kid, but it's always been manageable, never taken anything for it. Just always tried to have, you know, good diet and relatively good sleep and a good, somewhat good spiritual practice or mindset to sort of understand, to keep it in check. And um, this took regular anxiety and, ma you know, magnified it to panic attacks. And it took it brought in depression that was not there before. Well, come to find out this is actually a biological response to what's going on, not even mental and emotional, though that was there too. Now, in the second episode, I'm going to talk specifically about the mental and emotional aspects of an uncertain or scary or out of the blue health concern because I think it's something that we all need to dive into because you can learn a ton about yourself if you are open to it, and I will go kind of through some of the things I've come across, some of the challenges I had, I want to be, and I'll be completely, you know, candid and honest about all of it, like as dark as it was, because I do think it's good for us to validate with each other when other people are going through something. Now, keep in mind, you might not be going through a health challenge. It might be an emotional challenge, but you know, there's so much similarity between these. Whenever it's something serious, whenever it's something catches you off guard, you're not prepared for. If you're somebody who likes to typically have a level of control over your life and that control is ripped away from you um, and the floor kind of is, you know, seems like it's fallen under your, under your feet and you're just like stranded. It's like, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't gone through something like that yet, I guarantee you, you will at some point because that is the nature of life. As I'm learning, I had not gone through something like that yet. Not to that, not to this extent, never, but it is the nature of life. And the reality I've learned above all, all else is that you have to strengthen those muscles that can get you through whatever adversity comes your way because it's always a possibility. It's always something, and life has the mountains that 
they come. And for some people, they come younger, maybe, or or more often, or they're spread out. It just It's different for everybody, but everybody deals with it. So if you haven't yet, I would highly suggest listening to that episode too, so that you are prepared. You have a little bit of a outline of what an experience, what it might do to you, especially for somebody who is typically very grounded, very connected, very healthy, you know, and then also maybe how you can approach it and some, some tips or whatever, things that uh, can work that I've come across. But anyway, back to the history of it. So I had those three different mini experiences. I go to the ER. I'm scrounging around now trying to figure out what this is. I had a ton of comments, hundreds of comments on my posts telling me what they thought it was. Um, And they're all very different things. So I'm looking up each of these different things, lots of acronyms, lots of people to go follow, try try this guy, go see this, listen to this. But it was getting harder and harder for me to read. Um, It was making me kind of dizzy, just feel uncomfortable to be on my phone at all. And it was overwhelming. It was 100% overwhelming because I wanted to figure it out, but, and I was desperate. I was desperate to figure this out. I felt so horrible and so sad, you know, about what was going on um, and just so just defeated. And it was like a type of despair that I wanted a solution. So, you know, I tried a couple of different things, looked at biomagnetism, did some craniosacral work. Um, and then, as you can imagine, was contacted by a ton of different chiros, uh, suggesting upper cervical instead of traditional, and um, found found one that worked with the Blair method, who I still see. And um, she did the x-rays and kind of looked at it and realized I have, which is something I actually knew from a few months prior, but didn't really take that seriously, a loss of a cervical curve uh, from posture. Now, the interesting thing is you would think that that would be like something I've done over time to create that. But according to my vestibular specialist, she says it was actually the vestibular that caused that as well. Uh, So it's really interesting and, and complicated to understand what caused what. However, I did know it was important to be in cervical alignment and I wanted to do it in a, a gentle way as possible. So she did the first initial correction on me, and um, and then I would see her a couple times a week just to support that correction, not not having to redo the cervical. And I feel for her um, because she had to endure my many crying episodes in the office and many texts wondering why I'm having these episodes and why, why am I feeling this way and. Um, I've got this sensation happening to me and why is it happening when I'm laying down and this is, you know, causing anxiety and I'm fearful and, um, and I just want this to be over. And so she endured so much of that and was very gracious to try to comfort me. But the reality was, um, you know, nothing was going to make this better, um, immediately. So while I was still seeing her, she referred me to a, chiropractic neurologist who is also a brain injury specialist or concussion specialist. These are people who deal with that that specifically and know the types of exercises to do that will re-stimulate the brain to work the way it needs to work. Well, she also knows a lot about vestibular disorders and vestibular issues because that is part of brain function and a very important part of brain function that tends to affect a lot of motor skills. So I went to see her. She did a, an exam on me and did these things that are like these dark glasses. You do these dark glasses and they're like $30,000. These things are not cheap, but 
you they have cameras in them they're watching your eye movement when it goes completely dark for people that tend to have vestibular dysfunction their eyes will move and it's called a nystagmus and you will move in a certain direction based on typically where the weak or the affected ear is um, you will beat towards the strong so beat means you will move towards the strong side and have a hard time kind of pushing back in short terms towards that weak side. So I had a left beating nystagmus. My eyes were moving when I'm when I'm thinking I'm looking straight ahead. They're moving and they're making like little ticks. So she was the first one to kind of make me understand what's a vestibular issue. Like what is that? What's the vestibular system? It's this little teeny tiny system that is built into the skull in front of where your ear is, if you could go through the face, like, and it has three different canals on both sides. It's very small, but there is so much that happens there. And there are so many directives given from that location that if something is off there, it can affect like a domino, series of dominoes, all sorts of things. So why would it get affected? Well, there are a handful of conditions that could be a vestibular dysfunction. You can have something called BPPV, which is where you have crystals in the ear that get dislodged and you can do certain maneuvers to get them back and you feel totally fine again. It usually triggers vertigo, but it's really short lived. And that tends to be all. There's not really other symptoms associated. You can have vestibular neuritis. That's a, an inflammation of the vestibular nerve. You have two nerves in your ear, one's vestibular and one is going to be for your hearing, but the vestibular nerve has to do with your inner ear balance. That's what the vestibular system is all about, your balance. So when that uh, nerve gets inflamed, which typically is done after a virus or a bacteria or the treatment of one of those things, so it could be an antibiotic, which many times are ototoxic, it can cause low-level swelling. And in my case, I think it probably did just a little bit each time until it got to a point where my body couldn't remedy anymore. But here's what happens. Basically, when you move side to side, one of your vestibular nerves is firing and one is not firing. That's how your body knows you're moving. When you have vestibular dysfunction, one of those stops firing the way it's supposed to. So your body thinks it's moving when it's not, when it's at rest. And when that dysfunction happens, it's essentially like your body forgets how to use it and you have to retrain it how to be used. Now you can do that consciously or you can do that just by getting out in the world and your body kind of learning how to do it because the reality is the body is obviously a super magnificent thing that has these amazing capabilities to regenerate, rewire, retrain. It just sometimes takes time. Um, so learning about this, understanding, okay, one side of this either got inflamed or stopped working. Now you have BPPV, you have vestibular neuritis. You also have something called Meniere's disease and which can come from high drops. Uh, this has to do with the canals, those three different canals, losing the bone, um, the thickness of the bone and the liquid inside blending together causing issues. And that can be very severe for people, very chronic. And then you have labyrinthitis, which is essentially that other nerve in the ear that gets inflamed and that can affect your hearing. And you can have things like tinnitus and ringing and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have any of that stuff. I had it for me, it was really just balance and eyes and neck and brain and my entire body. <laughs> just, just that. Um, 
So there's a whole list of different things that could kind of be going on in the vestibular system. But for the most part, dysfunction in those areas, the only real way to move forward is going to be, again, allowing your body to heal the inflammation and figuring out a way for your brain to learn how to balance again, how to trust that inner ear system without your visual compensation and using your eyes to compensate. Needless to say, it is a very painful, painful process. And I don't mean like physically necessarily like physical pain, but it is so uncomfortable. And if you go online and look at YouTube on vestibular neuritis recovery stories, like every single person will go like, oh my God, this was like, I would never wish this on my worst enemy. This is like the worst experience I went through. Um, And if you're watching this right now and you're going through it, I feel for you because I've been there. And um, anyway, so many weeks of just awfulness working with her now on some vestibular stuff, but it's very slow. It's like doing a couple exercises, a couple of rolls and um, optokinetics and working on saccades and, but it's very slow. Now, most people say you go to a PT that starts doing these gaze stabilization and VOR exercises and stuff, but she was a little more cautious about not trying to get to that overdependence on the visual stuff. So the process very slow and it doesn't really feel like you're making progress. And you have a couple days where you're gonna be like, wow, I felt good for the last like three or four days. And then for no reason, or I should say not no reason, but no reason you might know at that time, you have one day, two day, three day, four day, five days where you're just like, oh, I don't feel good. Like, like I just don't feel like myself. I have low energy. My mood is done. I'm having all these weird symptoms. And you're trying to go through life. Now, keep in mind, I have two kids. It's not like I'm sitting in a hotel room just going, well, let me just watch movies and get through the time. I couldn't, I can't watch movies. I, I, I can watch a little bit of them now, but I'm 11 weeks in. So for the first, let's say nine, 10 weeks, I couldn't watch anything on TV because it um, made me feel dizzy with my eyes. I still can't really read, can't really like go on my phone too much. Um, I really spent every single day as much time as I could outside trying to look at nature, trying to be grateful, trying to keep my mind in a good place, trying to look at my kids and go, at least I have another day with them. At least, you know, at least I didn't die. Like I'm still here. Yes, my quality of life is completely altered and God, I hope it doesn't stay this way. And of course, the constant mental battle with the anxiety, the worry, the depression, the panic, the, but what if this doesn't get better? What if, what if there's something else I should be checking? What if, you know, I need to be taking these supplements, not these. And I'm also working with a homeopath, had an entire regimen, had like a crap ton of blood drawn multiple times. Um, You know, the rest of the numbers look really good got myself a glucose monitor to wear for 30 days because I wanted to see if insulin was playing a role in this. And even though I eat really well and eat paleo, holy crap, if you guys have never done that, you would be shocked what your numbers might be. I mean, just like a few bites of fruit and it's like, like, you know, up 50, 60 points. Um, And I, again, eat really well, but part of the problem is you have multiple levels of things happening. That's including your adrenals, your thyroid, and your other hormones. So depending on your age, if you're over 35, pay attention to this, your hormones play a really big role. Now, I had never really thought about that. I'm 43, haven't really had too many issues with that that I've noticed. But let me tell you, 
I can 100% pinpoint episodes uh, around times associated with my cycle, which just goes to show you drops in estrogen play a big role in what you feel. Now, it wouldn't matter what it was. If it was a vestibular issue, it was anxiety attacks, if it was some chronic other issue you have, those hormones will still come in and cause flare-ups of whatever it is that you have during those times once you hit a certain age. Now, again, I didn't know much about this, but I was shocked at my glucose numbers. Well, turns out low estrogen can do that too. So it's like so many things I was trying to tackle. And I know, I know so many of you who know me or or feel like you know me are like completely not surprised that I, you know, went into full on like put the solving hat on and let me investigate just like everything else. But, you know, this is a situation that while it's good for me to do as much information uh, searching as I can, this is also a situation that I learned about eight, nine weeks in that like I'm going to have to let go of knowing when this is going to get better and how it's going to get better and maybe even exactly what it is or what went wrong and just let my body heal and trust that it can heal. And I'll tell you, I am not saying I'm doing a great job with that right now because I don't love letting go. I like to be present in finding and solving, but um, I basically just hit rock bottom where I just was like, what choice do I have? Like I could just, you know, be worried all the time and, you know, sick to my stomach about this and the anxiety just making symptoms worse. They're feeding off of each other. And, you know, I'm trying to avoid medication, but I was very seriously looking into taking an antidepressant or anti-anxiety med or Xanax or something like it was just it's it was so hard to get through each day. Even even for somebody like me again, who I'd say lives a healthy lifestyle understands a lot about stuff like you think I would be in a better place but this just completely took over and I eventually had am trying I should say to get to that point where I'm not trying to continue to invest keep investigating and thinking there's going to be you know whatever the silver bullet that I'm going to find something and go this is it this was the thing that caused it um the woman who's the chiropractic neurologist she is very confident that of what this is, and she is also very confident that it will get better. Uh, 95% of people with vestibular neuritis do get better. I don't know why that doesn't seem to comfort me much in the moment, but it doesn't because I've got my little what-if voice constantly playing. I'm hoping that some of you can understand what that voice is, the what-if voice. This is the voice that is like, oh, cool, 95% of people get better, but what if, you know? Or you're definitely, this is going to pass, it's just temporary, but what if it's not? You know, it's always looking at the, but what if? Like, you're, you know, it's like I know my body. So I know the human body is this most amazing thing that can, you know, is created with the kind of complexity that the human brain just cannot understand. I don't care what scientists think they know. They don't know squat about exactly how remarkable our body is and what it's able to do for us all the time. And let me tell you, after losing so many of these basic functions, I feel like I will never take for granted again the ability to turn my head without thinking or the ability to open my eyes and actually see clearly and see an image that looks normal and stable um, and be able to lay down in any position and not worry that I'm going to have sensations or episodes or whatever. I am 100% confident that the body's remarkable. 
And it's so funny because if it was a friend of mine that was going through this, I'd be telling him or her, hey, the body is remarkable. It's, you should, you don't even, you can't even conceptualize the things the body can do. It is unbelievable what the body can do and heal from and how, you know, you've got this neuroplasticity in the brain and all these different things that your body's regenerating all the time and you've got new cells constantly. And I would be thinking that and saying that to this friend, but tell me why that is not so easy when it's you. Because when it's you and you're feeling all of it and you're in the middle of it, it's like, you know this, but for some reason you've got the doubt voice, you know, the skeptic coming in going, but what if it doesn't get better with me? But what if my body's broken and this is my life? Like, and I hate that voice. I absolutely hate it because it doesn't make me feel good. I don't feel good when I say those things and hear those things. Um, because I feel frightened, I feel scared. And um, I want to be at that place where I believe what I know to be true, which is that the body has this immense ability to heal. But I'm just, you know, being honest with the reality of where my head is. And, And I have that battle sometimes multiple times in an hour. It's not like this is just once a day. It's like, I mean, it's constant. Again, 11 weeks in. So I will say I also have um, a little motion sickness and had that since I was a kid, which can be a genetic thing. It was, in my case, my biological father had the same thing. That is a type of vestibular dysfunction. This is kind of why I'm like, want you guys to learn about the vestibular system, even on a very basic level. And I know I'm doing it not very much justice and doing it very basic because I don't, I'm not a specialist on it. I just know what I've learned. Um, But having motion sickness... Uh, as a child is a type of vestibular dysfunction, which means there's a slight weakness there. Now your body's learned to compensate many, many years ago, which is why you don't quite notice unless you're in those circumstances. But for the rest of it, your eyes are straight and you go through life. Well, with that kind of weakness, if you have certain immune challenges or you have something else that kind of hits the body a certain way, it can go after where that weakness is. In my case, uh, it was vestibular. Again, I didn't know anything about this at the time. So the hormone situation is, believe it or not, extremely important. And I am about to start uh, a hormone regimen, I guess you could say, adrenal, thyroid, and some hormones starting tomorrow after speaking with a specialist, um, looking at my blood work and seeing what's happening with these drops, especially right now, because it just makes it so much harder. And I've honestly had, uh, the last several days have not been great, um, I'm in a place where I've got kind of low estrogen, so I'm going to be, or estradiol specifically, so I'm going to be adding some of that. And I know some people are against bioidentical hormones, and typically I wouldn't go that route. But honestly, in this situation, I don't have months and months and months to figure this out. I'm in the middle of something that continues to flare up with hormones. So it's like I've got to see if I can balance that aspect, if it will settle some of this down so I can heal this part of it, get back to feeling like myself, and then I can work on how I want to balance that going going on because what she said was, and if you guys can believe this, the new average age of menopause is 44 to 48. So it used to be 52, 53. It has gone down so much because of the stress levels that we are under. And this is a a huge thing to pay attention to. The stress levels that we're under, I think in many cases, we don't realize I certainly didn't realize the level of stress I was under. I didn't realize the layers I was combining to put my body in a position where it was 
you know, running on uh, cortisol and running on stress hormones that were affecting the other hormones that was affecting then the insulin and glucose levels causing lots of peaks and drops and and then making my immune system weak which when that got hit enough times my body was just like no like we are done can't do it anymore so now here i am again not having a great couple of days hoping that this is going to go away but one of the big things that i always noticed in these videos of recovery stories was people said one, it usually takes three to six months to start feeling like yourself. So I'm not quite at three months yet. Also, they said, you have to live life. You have to, you cannot let your symptoms keep you from engaging in life. One, that engagement teaches your body how to compensate and teaches your, your brain and body and muscles and everything how to move on. But also, it keeps you from being paralyzed by the fear and by the ways in which this debilitates you and it keeps you from letting anxiety take over and maybe kind of trying to focus on things that bring you joy as much as you can. It's not super easy. I will also say I had to make a lot of diet changes temporarily, which cutting almost all carbohydrates, all sugars, a lot more higher protein, which I'm not necessarily a fan of for long term, but I have seen a lot of data that talks about uh, high protein situations being able to help during intense periods of healing, especially very serious or chronic conditions or diseases. So that has kind of been a little bit of a bummer because I I used to really enjoy food. Um, and again, I was healthy before, but I, I had no idea that it was causing those kinds of spikes. And I just don't want to take any chances extending this out any longer than it needs to. So here's what I will say. This That's kind of the overview. I want out of this so badly, you guys. I, I mean, I am so trying to be patient and I'm really trying to take advantage of the lessons that could come through this, which will be in that second episode about sort of what's behind all of this. But I just wanted to give you kind of like the physical update. I'm still, uh, I started PT for balance therapy. I'm still doing cervical adjustments and then still see vestibular specialist um, who's the chiropractic neurologist those are the things I'm doing every single day I've got something almost because you know me I'm trying to attack this on a supplement regimen now on a hormone regimen and uh, on a food program I'm literally trying to do everything I can I've had all of my intelligent kind friends look at my blood work look at everything and go okay is there anything else I'm missing here is there something you know I'm doing my absolute best I literally could not be doing and could not have done a single thing more than I've done. I mean, I looked into so many offices, so many doctors, so many people, so many consultations, so many, you know, I really just wanted a solution um, that was quick. I really didn't know about this at all. But let me tell you a couple, let's start with the challenges of this situation, and then I'll go to the takeaways and I'll end this episode and then I'll do the next one in a few days about the emotional mental aspects of this, because I think that's equally as important to be honest. So some of the challenges that were really hard with this situation that I found, there's a lot of conflicting advice. I had a lot of people telling me to go listen to the medical medium and follow his protocol for reducing the viruses that can cause the nerve inflammation in the body. So in some ways it, it was connected to this because nerve inflammation, yes, viruses can lead to that. But his um, idea of what food should be to do that was very different than what the vestibular specialist said. I mean, like night and day. 
And, you know, it sucks to be in a situation where you're having to choose which one. You don't know which one's right and you don't want to make the wrong decision. But you sort of have to just go with one avenue and try to do your best. So what I ended up doing was taking away eggs because that was a big one with medical medium. And then I still I stayed with the animal protein or the high protein, um, high fats and protein kind of diet uh, with her. But then I just removed eggs just so that there would be a little easier for viruses to not... Um, be able to thrive. But I couldn't really remove dairy completely because I ended up having to do a dairy-based protein powder and doing sheep yogurt or goat yogurt is dairy-based as well. But she's all about animal products. So it's like I'm kind of stuck, right? So a lot of conflicting information. Plus a lot of people saying, oh, this is what it is. No, it's this. Um, and and they're like completely counter to each other. So that part was really challenging and has continued to be a challenge. At some point, you sort of have to just know that you're being guided in the right direction and um, give that up, I guess, because you're never going to please everybody or know for certain all of these things. I can't go down every single path that is, you know, that comes to me. It's good. It's just I don't have the capacity or the energy to do that. Um, it, and then that kind of leads to the next thing. It was very overwhelming. A lot of information, learning about a brand new thing, disorders and in a system that I wasn't aware of and trying to find other people that have gone through it and get more details. And then um, it's just a lot. It's a lot when you can't read very well at this time and when you can't, when you don't want to watch things. Um, let's just say I've been listening to a ton of audiobooks. But um, another big challenge for me, a lack of control, and I'm going to go into this on the next episode because I think this is crucial. A lack of control is just sucks because usually you take control of your health. Anybody listening to this is probably a little more health conscious, which is why you know about me or have followed me where, you know, in holistic communities, we tend to be a little more aware of our health. Well, usually as a result of being aware of your health, you take control of that. And that control directly correlates to the outcome that you see. So when you have a situation happen with an outcome that is not correlating to the kind of effort you've put in that you think that you're kind of guiding with your actions and behaviors, it's really frustrating. And when you realize that the, the healing part is not in your control really either, um, then that is just complete like you're just stuck at that point. And that, that has been a, a huge, huge challenge, but also very illuminating for me in many ways. And I'll talk about that in the next one. Um, the reality, knowing that there in this kind of situation, that there's not a healing that is a quick fix type of thing, this really ends up being a faith-based healing. Now, I don't even mean that in a religious way, but just that you have faith that the body can heal or faith in whatever your spiritual power is that is going to see you through this. And I'll talk about that, uh, also some more. Another challenge is that this was a very unknown condition, unknown to me, not only to me, guess what? A lot of doctors don't know about this stuff. Like... There's a lot of confusion and uh, very limited knowledge with traditional MDs as it relates to vestibular issues. Because I went to a primary care, integrative primary care. She mentioned nothing about if, could this be potentially vestibular either. Like, you know, the ER doc mentioned nothing about it. A lot of people don't really know. And if you go to the vestibular groups on Facebook, they talk about their frustration so much with all the doctors who really didn't help them, but just prescribed, you know, different types of medication. Um... Learning acceptance and surrender with with something like this, where it's an unknown condition, you don't have control, man, has that been a challenge. Um, that's also for the next episode. Um, you know, in the end, the diagnosis doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the label is, whether it's nerve inflammation, whether it's a nervous system disorder, whether it's from long COVID, from B6 toxicity, from uh, vestibular neuritis or whatever it is. The, the reality is the body's taken on a load of stress, uh, maybe possibly a toxic load, and it's inflamed and it needs to settle. In the process of inflammation, it fires up all sorts of things that jack up your body and make you feel things you've never felt, especially with nervous system disorders, like clicking into your fight or flight, which is what this whole thing did. Like you're feeling all sorts of stuff that, man, you're just like, oh my God, I can't wait till I don't feel this stuff again. There's a reason you don't feel it usually. All that stuff is supposed to be kind of calmed down by our frontal lobe that reminds us that we're safe, but this bypasses that completely and all of a sudden you've got this fight or flight, your sympathetic nervous system constantly engaged and it is not the easiest thing to settle. And sometimes it's engaged even without you doing anything specific to it, uh, which, is, which is also really challenging. So let's look at the takeaways um, that you can, that I want you guys to pay attention to just on the physical side of things, there'll be different takeaways for the mental and emotional thing. And I do highly suggest you listen to that one too, because it's equally as important to this whole puzzle as the physical aspect of it. Because the physical aspect, lots of times is a manifestation of what's going on on some other level. But the takeaway I will say is be very, very, very careful about what your stress levels are. Now, I'm going to say this again, because if you would have said this to me, I would have been like, yeah, I'm not stressed. I didn't feel stressed. The truth is I didn't. I did not feel like I was overcome with stress. Why? Because I guess I can handle a lot more than I realize or it doesn't show up with me in an obvious way that was giving me any kind of red flags. So as a result, I didn't think I was stressed. In fact, I'm like, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I eat good food. I get good rest. I take my magnesium. I have joy in my life. I'm grateful for things. There's no stress. Well, it turns out all the things I was doing at the level I was doing it and the pressure I was putting on myself, as well as lots of stuff, you know, built up from childhood and bad brain patterns and the anxiety that I had sort of identified with for all these years. All these things add up to a certain point. Then you get your immune system hit one time, then two times, then three times. Had COVID in January of this year. I know that's been a connective tissue for a lot of people, um, connective thread for a lot of people as it relates to seeing weird neurological symptoms. And I mean, I've been very clear on this podcast that the quote virus itself and, and the vaccine, like there's nothing normal about either of those things. So going through it physically, I knew at the time it didn't feel normal. Uh, it didn't feel normal both times that I've had it. But obviously you can't hide inside your house forever. The vaccine doesn't keep you from getting it. So you get not only the version in real life, but you're also getting it injected into you. Either way, we're all getting fragments of something that's foreign and off and um, there is nothing normal about the situation. So people are having all sorts of abnormal responses. Now, do I think it was that triggering the whole thing? Well, no, because the year before is when it started. Now, that was technically a year after the first time I had COVID. Maybe is there a connection? Possibly. There's definitely a connection to the level of stress over the last couple of years and nerve inflammation. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that gets added to the, to the picture. Um, but pay attention to your stress. You think you have moderate stress, reduce it to low stress. If you think you have high stress, reduce it to moderate stress. Please take it seriously. 
it's just a matter of time for many people that it's going to turn into something. Again, the diagnosis doesn't matter, but it will manifest in some way or another. If you're in your late 30s, if you're in your 40s, you're in your early 50s, like you're prime for something, especially if you've been healthy all this time, nothing's gone on. I mean, it just seems story after story, situations like that. So please reduce your stress, take that seriously. Uh, Another takeaway to pay attention to is that this is a multi-layered issue. You've got, um, like I said, hormones at play. You have immune system at play. You have stress levels at play, possibly adrenal, cortisol, and thyroid, and insulin. You have so many things going on here that if you're not looking at all of these to make sure that they're all in a good place, then you're missing the boat because one thing can lead to the problem with another and down the line, down the line, down the line, they're all connected. So I would suggest if you hadn't had blood work done in a long time, get some blood work done, go to a practitioner that you trust, look at your numbers, make sure there's nothing there that's feeling like a little out of balance because you might be able to stop something from happening now by just looking at something and getting it handled and understanding that the stuff all works together. So you might go, oh, my hormones are fine. Yeah. Well, what about all the rest of the things I just mentioned? Or one of those other aspects might be good, but you didn't look at hormones because you're thinking you don't have to yet. So just be proactive on something like this at this time, specifically where we are in the world, um, because I think our bodies are not handling the toxic load that we're being given uh, quickly enough. And it feels like it's, you know, it's weakening our ability to detoxify. So a third takeaway here that pathogens, i.e. viruses or bacteria and their treatments, antivirals or antibiotics can be ototoxic, ototoxic, toxic to the ears. This does not necessarily mean that you had an ear infection. I never did. I've never had an ear infection. However, you can have ototoxicity and not realize it, and it can show up down the line, like I said, with nerve inflammation. So keep in mind that not just the pathogen themselves, like a virus, but treatments for these pathogens, like an antibiotic, can be ototoxic. Try to limit the types of treatments that you're doing. Only use them if they're if you really have to, and try to make sure your immune system is strong enough to keep those viruses and bacteria from really continuing to take over. Takeaway number four, if you are over 35 and female, be on the lookout for hormonal changes, okay? They will flare up any chronic condition that you have once you get to a certain age. Now, perimenopause is starting at like 37 these days, about 37, 38, uh, anytime over, over 35, but typically 37, 38. And like I said, menopause is starting as early as 44. So this stuff can come on you out of nowhere, just so you know. It's not like I literally had no issues with this before, and now all of a sudden, it's like it seems very drastic when there are certain times um, based on certain levels. So I would suggest anybody looking into their hormones and just getting an idea of where they are, and that also usually includes looking at adrenals and thyroid as well. Takeaway number five, familiarize yourself with the vestibular system. Take a second to go on Google and look at some graphs, some charts of the vestibular system. Look at some little videos from vestibular specialists or ENTs that talk about the vestibular system. Some of these are like five minutes long. Get an idea of what it is, where it is, and what kind of functions it's responsible for so that if you or somebody you love ends up having something related in any way to what I'm talking about, 
that you'll understand the vestibular system enough to be able to ask your primary care or the MD or the ER doc to guide you to make sure you're ruling out a vestibular issue. You should not have to go three and four weeks before or five weeks of a disabling situation before you realize it could be this. And uh, in the vestibular group on Facebook, many people went weeks and weeks and weeks before they finally, sometimes months, before they finally realized what was going on. And that's just, you can imagine, so scary and so difficult. So I want you guys to kind of learn a little bit about the vestibular system so that you're more prepared than I was and that you can be prepared for somebody in your life that maybe starts to have because they're seeing more and more vestibular neuritis, more and more vertigo. These things are increasing like crazy the last two years. I've heard it from three different people. I've heard it from the ER doc. I've heard it from the PT, the balance therapy, and from the vestibular specialist. All three said they are seeing more and more vestibular neuritis, more and more vertigo, more and more of these issues coming up over the last two years specifically. So what does that say? That says that you know, we're in a situation where um, these nerves are getting inflamed by potentially what we're being presented with. I had none of these types of issues before the last couple of years. So here I am, you know, and my goal, of course, is to not just get back to normal, get back to better than normal, because now I would have looked at all these other things and balanced them out better and, um, and it's reprioritized my life so that I... I'm not working anymore and haven't for, you know, three months. Um, it's been really hard. Every day is literally getting through every day. And um, I'll go in a little more into the personal side of it in the next episode. But I just wanted to give you an idea of the symptoms. Some of the symptoms I had, I'm sure I left out many of them um, because it's like they're constantly changing. And uh, I, I didn't, I never journaled and wrote them down, but a lot of these symptoms look different for everybody and they're just off and they're weird and you don't feel like yourself. You feel like you're out of your body, your brain and your body just aren't communicating. It's really rough if you're used to being very um, cognitively clear. If you're used to being, you know, an intelligent, smart person that uses their brain regularly and is healthy and everything's always lined up. It's like ugh, this kind of situation is essentially a nightmare for you. Um, and it has been for me. And I just have to hold on to the idea that there is something more for this. There is something more for me and better to come out of this, whether it's gaining my own strength and core ability to handle life and handle adversity, whatever it is, um, I'm listening, you know, because I, I have no choice. This thing has broken me down completely. And like I said, the poor people that have worked with me because they've had to endure my many emails, texts, or in-visit worries and lots of crying episodes. There's been crying, I'd say, you know, for the most part, every other day uh, over these 11 weeks, sometimes many times a day. And here I thought I was such a strong person before. I guess I was in many ways, but, you know, you kind of learn your your weaker spots when um, you're really put to the test in something like this. And, um, and I know many of you are going through mysterious illnesses or conditions or chronic issues or pain and, and things that are stopping you from your usual normal life. And you can completely resonate that this is a time, I call it a winter. This is a winter for me. And I just remind myself that winter always ends and nothing stays the same. And so I'll say the same for you as well. And hopefully that gives you a little encouragement. The uh, next episode, I hope to give some more encouragement on that because I'll talk about kind of 
the things and ideas that have helped me get through a little bit um, just day to day, you know, hour to hour, day to day. But uh, anyway, so thank you for listening. And um, if there is something in here where you go, you know what, Melissa, I really think it's this situation. I had the exact same thing and this is what helped me. Feel free to contact me on social media. I'm always open to um, other ideas or interpretations of what could be happening or suggestions um, and encouragement as always. I've been posting a lot of more inspirational and encouraging things because I need to hear them. (laughs) And I know if I need to hear them, other people do too. So I will follow up with this, um, hopefully not too long with a second episode. And uh, I appreciate you guys so much. And hopefully this all just, you know, winds down soon and I can kind of get back to some level of informative things. I'm kind of interested in maybe discussing some empowering and informational things as it relates to health and ways to, you know, level up and maybe some interviews uh, in that realm um as a as a brief aside because i just think we're at a time where people can use it i know i can i know that there are others that can as well and whether it's now or later we're all going to go through something and we all need those tools and skill sets to be able to manage so hopefully that will still be valuable to you and you'll still be listening and sharing this with your friends and family um take care you guys and thanks for listening to this episode of what they aren't telling you